Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and thanks for downloading this podcast from ilikehugh.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at ilikehugh.com. Now, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a beautiful fall day. It is the Hue Virtual Chat. Yes, we are starting a little bit later today, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And well, you know what? I think it's okay for some of you to have a glass of wine while you're joining in or listening into our conversation. It's all good. Uh, it is, I have to say, a crazy week. Um, certainly with things that are happening south of our border, um, you know, uh, a certain person coming down with COVID and making a remarkable remarkable recovery and telling us don't let it consume our lives it's okay anyways um, we are today going to be talking about mental health but more in particular women's mental health and all things otherwise too as well so let's open the doors we do have some our amazing ladies from the Hue virtual chat and here they come oh my goodness hello hey Ah, Robin, Kirsten, Charlotte, Amy, hello. Oh, and Susie. Oh, okay. You know, Susie, I might start with you because <laughs> the topic today is, a, is about mental health, but it's women's mental health. <laughs> and, you know, call it personal, whatever. Does that mean that you're reading my tweets last week and saw me whining online? Or, you know, I shouldn't say whining, but pouring my heart out online? Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and seriously, I mean, I mean, everything, you know, that you've been going through in the last, like, week and a half is crazy with, with your kids, and then, I mean, and, you know, kind of give us a little bit of a glimpse of what it's really like right now. We're in code orange, yes, and we're in all of these things, and people are rushing to get tested, and parents, kids, whatever. Um, yeah, give us, a, give us a glimpse of when you went outside the bubble and had to actually be in this? It was incredibly stressful. So last week, my middle child had um, a cold, which I, I felt was a cold. I was very sure, 99.9% .9 sure, you know, mother's instinct, very sure that he didn't have anything but a cold. But of course, you go to the online self-assessment tool and it walks you through, you know, what symptoms they're experiencing, whatever. And if you have one from column A and even one more from column B, they direct you to either isolate for 10 days or get tested. So we discovered this around, I shouldn't say discovered it, but we kind of wrapped our heads around what we needed to do to get this child back in school like around noon. So after lunch, I'm heading over to a testing site and they had been booked up since basically 10 o'clock that morning. So I went on Twitter and of course I, you know, I go through our entire uh, run through of what our what our experience has been like of trying to find a testing site. We I called Portage of Prairie before we left the house to see if they uh, had spots. They were by appointment only. She said she was booking into Wednesday. So I said, okay, I'm going to try the city first and see what that's like. We drove to Pembina. They were full. St. Mary's was full. Thunderbird House was full. And my sister had already spent almost five hours in the drive through line at um, the North Main site. So it's like, okay, I'm definitely not going there because they're full. So it was just super stressful and he was isolating at home. He was wearing a mask at home. He was being so good and being so conscientious, you know, um, about 
protecting, you know, everyone else in the household from whatever it was that he had. Um, but it was still, you know, scary and still the unknown was still frightening. And so the next day we got up early, we drove back to Pembina, we got on the line to register. And then I said to the lady, um, she says, you can go wait in your car now and we'll call you when it's your time to get into line. And I said, okay. I said, do you know how long that might be? And she says, no. I said, so and she's, the staff were amazing. They are doing the best that they can in the circumstances with which they have to work. These people deserve nothing but, you know, respect and courtesy. And I understand everybody is tired and stressed, but it's not her fault, right? So I said, so you can't tell me if it's going to be 20 minutes or like four hours. And she says, I really can't because it moves at a different pace every, every day sort of thing. We sat there for three hours and then my son was getting fidgety and, kind of, and he was tired too because he was sick. So we drove back home. I told him to go for a nap. And if they called us, we would get going. I'm washing dishes, 10 minutes into me washing dishes, they call back and say, okay, you can get in line now. And it's like, of course they did, because I was home already and he was in bed, you know, napping. So I called him, I said, okay, we have to get down there. We got down there as quick as we could. We got in line. It was probably about 20 minutes of standing in the line, which is not terrible. Um, and then he got the test and it, the test was about 10 minutes. You know, when they take your information to the swab. And the staff, again, the medical staff inside were incredible. Um, they were doing everything they could to assure him it was not going to be scary and to explain the procedure because he is still, you know, a kid. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were great. But the thing I was talking about on Twitter was that, you know, I understand how much privilege I have that I was able to drive around to each site, okay? Mm -hmm. Not everybody has that privilege. What if you had more than one child who was sick? What if you had one child who was sick and a bunch of other kids who weren't sick that you were trying to keep not sick? What are you supposed to do, right? There's so many questions and there's so many things that I feel are not taken into consideration when they put these you know, sites into place and there should have been more. I had tweeted about how there needs to be a mobile site that can at least go around to the areas as they had broken down a couple weeks ago into the districts that had the most cases. They could drive around those areas and get more people to test. And my fear is that if people know how long it takes to stand in line, that's a deterrent, okay? Because who can, I don't want to say waste, but who has half a day that they can waste to stand in line, especially with a sick child? So there was a lot of things that I saw in terms of gaps and um, things in the system that should really be fixed. So this week we had the unveiling of the mobile test site, which was great. We took my older son. Um, what day are we on? We're only on Tuesday. It feels like Friday already. We took him to get tested yesterday because he showed symptoms of a cold, much like my middle, of course. And um, he is isolating until he gets his results. I'm hoping that will happen either tonight or tomorrow, but they say at about 48 hours, right? They're doing their best that they can as far as turnaround is concerned. But um, yeah, as, we, as the temperatures drop and as kids are back in school, as cases increase, we're in orange now, Thanksgiving will probably not be a great weekend because a lot of people will defy the, um, the conventional wisdom to stay away from people who are not in their household. We will see numbers spike, I believe, within two weeks. And then we're back at, I don't even know if it's square one or if we're at square zero at that point, because then we're going to need a lot more testing sites and people are going to be and regular cold and flu season two, right? Everyone's going to be showing symptoms in column A and or column B. It's going to be very stressful. So I hope that there are contingency plans and other plans in place to make it as easy as possible for people to uh, not go to work sick and to get tested if they 
uh, CFIP? Wow. I mean, that's, uh, you know what? And I, I think what you just said is the, you know, a biggest fear and I guess the biggest problem in a lot of households. And, you know, I'm going to throw it to, to Kirsten and, and Charlotte first. I mean, okay, family. And, and part of the, what we're going to talk about is like, yeah, women's mental health, but that definitely folds or spills into family mental wellness too. So just listening to, uh, to Susie's week from, can I say it? Hell. <laughs> um, you know what? Yeah. And at the, at the same time, you know, I felt, uh, I was running down my experience on Twitter, not to complain per se, but yeah. so that people can understand what the process is like. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that there are gaps in the system that even somebody with as much, you know, access and privilege as I had able to get around to these sites. Now the four sites that I was talking about are on major bus routes. Okay, that's great. But once you get there, if you have children with you, elderly parents or anybody with mobility oh, issues, how are you supposed to wait those two to four hours until you can get in the line? There's a lot of things that are not taken into consideration um, when these are set up. So oh, exactly. And it's not like you can wait inside. Um, and as Correct. the weather gets colder, what are you going to do? Stand in line for four hours? No, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, and, and another thing too, like with the North Main site, so you had a hundred vehicles idling for six hours to get a test. That is completely unacceptable as far as I'm concerned. That is bananas. There is no way that makes sense. Um, you know, I had tweeted on my thread that Again, this speaks to, you know, a certain level of privilege as well, but that you should be able to log on to a site, find out which testing site is closest to you, what the wait time is, register to be in line online, and understand that you need to be in that slot within this certain time frame, right? This yeah. is not rocket science. Like, I don't understand why these things aren't taken into consideration to make it easier for people to access the sites and also to make it not an aggravating experience for people who would probably be deterred if they didn't have to go get tested, right? Oh, we yeah. want people to get tested so that we know our numbers and so that we can do contact tracing and do all of those smart things, right? We need to make this as simple as possible. Well, and it's been so hard. So Kirsten, I mean, like, yeah, families facing this, it's, it's tough. Well, I'm exhausted just listening to that, Susan. That's a, uh, that's a journey just trying to, but I also have to um, uh, commend you for taking it so seriously and, and getting on that and not letting uh, all the obstacles, um, you know, have you take a different course. And three young kids in the school system, um, you could be doing this every week, three times over. <laughs> so, um, I have, uh, I only have one 20 year old living at home who's not in the school system. So uh, I, I'm glad I'm not in your shoes. But what, what I, where my head automatically goes is the, the anxiety that we as parents, um, I mean, it's amazing that you had the flexibility to be able to not only drive and access the different sites, but the, uh, you're able to have the time. And um, there's a lot of families that are just uh, not in that position. And, you know, I, I understand this is all new for the city and all these testing sites and everybody's learning as you move along. Um, 
but it's, it's, it's not an easy process by any means. And I look today and, uh, sorry, you were going to say something, Susie. But no, no, no. I was just going to say, you're so right. And all I could think about as I was, you know, uh, waiting in the car with my son and uh, driving back home, you know, frustrated that we hadn't been called yet was what if I'm a single mom with yeah. three kids or two kids, or there was a mom with a babe in arms and a toddler, you know? So I don't know who was getting tested, but I mean, she had two small children. I don't know where she was, if she had a car, was she going to change diapers in the car? Like there's all these things that need to be taken into consideration. Right. And again, I feel like who, who's planning this? Like, are there, are there parents involved? Are there moms involved? Like if you want something done, right. Ask a mom because she's thought of every contingency plan and she knows what she needs to be the safest and to get it done as easily as possible. Right. So Again, there's a lot of things that are not taken into consideration when it comes to accessibility issues and um, not everybody having the same access or ability to get to a site. And that, that made me sad, yeah. Yeah. Um, stressful times on steroids, that's what, uh, that's what, what, it, what it comes down to for families right now. I, I, my head automatically goes to, when I worked at another organization, I was involved in a parent uh, support group. Um, I would say 80% of the parents that would join me weekly were single moms with uh, multiple kids and um, single moms with two jobs. And that's, that's where my head first went. So um, yeah, I don't have the answers on how to make that more accessible, but it's just, it's so stressful. It, that's real. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to get Amy into the conversation. Hey, Amy. Hi. Hi. I know. I mean, and you too. You've got you got a young daughter going to school too now, eh? And it's Yeah. I'm feeling all of this. Susie actually had a similar experience uh two weeks back again. Like I I was there early, right after I dropped Alyssa to school. And again, the line was filled and I saw people coming out of the bus stop and just trying to get in line and they've been like rejected too because they're already full for the day. And then, then I recognized, oh, okay, so you're supposed to go there, sign in, and then they'll call you, but they're already full for the day. So when I went back the other day and I, again, I almost made it. I was like the second last person, like so, so close to it. And I, I agree there, there are gaps in the system, like for people who are searching around for a facility to get tested and um, taking the bus, where, where are you supposed to hibernate? And it was cold. It was cold those days too. Where are they supposed to go? And I, I saw moms in like strollers and families and whatnot. I'm like, oh my goodness, this, this is, this is really, really sad. And even when I was like at home, I like, I had a flu before I had a flu where people were supportive. And this time um, there was no support because I was trying to kind of self isolate. I live with my parents and my daughter and that was like the, the, the scariest and um, the saddest thing ever where they can't attend to me and help me out. I had to do everything on my own um, just because I want them to stay safe. Wasn't COVID or anything. And then even going to a walk-in clinic, because again, there, there were symptoms of COVID, but it, it, it wasn't COVID for me. It was um, like food poisoning and food flu. And I went to um, just a walk-in clinic. Again, they, they wouldn't take me because I had symptoms of the cold so no one could see me until I actually get tested and that was super super frustrating 
Um, then finally I got a hold of, um, a, like a private doctor and he kind of helped me out and whatnot. So that was good. And then just lately, just feeling the anxiety, there was a case of uh, COVID in a daycare within the school. And that day, like moms were texting, Hey, did you hear there's, um, there, there's a case of COVID it was tested positive. And uh, are you sending your daughter to school? Like right at eight 30 in the morning, as I was just getting a list of school and it was super frustrating and it made me super, super, um, anxious. So I'm, I, I'm feeling it all. I'm so feeling it all. And I'm, I'm grateful that I have my parents that kind of help me out because I'm one of those single parents again. And I only have one. It, and it's already like, it's so many obstacles and things um, in front of you. It's not just as simple as let's go get tested, right? There's like a plan um, in place that you have to kind of think about before you go ahead. So, yeah. So, wow. Robin, you've been sitting there quietly listening. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so I thought the topic was going to be women's mental health. And I guess it is in a way. I mean, like, yeah, like we have all of these compounded fears. And I, I don't want to, you know, dismiss the guys out there too, the fathers and, and whatever, I'm sure, um, have the same fears. But for us women or whatever, we kind of... I think we put everything on our shoulders and, and we try to do it all. So I guess that's what I'm kind of feeling right now is that um, an anxiety, I hate using that word, but an anxiety that I don't have all the answers. I feel, I don't want to say a failure, but I, you, you feel bad, you feel helpless, um, and definitely you feel frustrated. Um. As a person that doesn't have kids, I'm just watching other people's experiences of this, right? Like, and my niece in Calgary had a very similar experience. She gets colds at this time of the year every year. And I was talking to her the other day and she goes, I know what this is. I get it every year. I've had it every year for 20 years. And if I just go and get like antibiotic, like, I'm better really quickly, but nobody will take me because they're COVID symptoms. And so, like, she has a little, um, God, how old is Landon now? I don't know, 15, 16 months old. Like, and he had exactly the same one she had. They both had to get COVID tested. And I was like, how did you test a 15-month-old? And she goes, well, I held his head. My partner held his arms. Like, we're trying to hold them, and the medical staff were amazing. She said, but, but I think that's the thing. And I was talking to someone last night, you know, like I, I kind of started seeing someone, and they were talking about having a sore throat, and they didn't think it was anything, but if they woke up this morning and it was still a sore throat, would that, they'd have to go and get tested. And, and it's like now what we've got is this, turbocharged world where if someone gets a sniffle mm -hmm. it's like oh my god I have to go and get tested because I can't go anywhere nobody will let me just go to a doctor and check and I like that's going to be playing on people's health like mental health that I coughed the wrong way I like I talk a lot for a living and my I get a cough right and I this morning I went and got my hair cut 
and you know there's two of us in there in this salon and and I coughed and I was like it's not COVID it's because I get a sort like I think now we've got that added pressure of like every time something happens even if we're fairly certain it's not there's this whole expectation that I will go and get tested and as you were saying getting tested is not as simple as walking in and so we've just we're layering this anxiety on I mean even talking to Charlotte right like I have a heart condition so I'm kind of screwed if I get it um and I was talking to Charlotte and she's like well what about this person you started seeing what's their bubble like I'm just worried about you and and it just it just like everyone's anxiety is heightened. It is an anxiety because people are like, what's going to happen? Am I going to have it? Where's this going? We've got this increase. How do we stop this? And right now we're not going to stop it. No. We're not going to be able to hold it. Like we're going to have increases. We're going to have more people. We're going to have kids in school. And it's like, what do we do to get through it? Knowing that we're going to have this anxiety and we don't know when the end is, and we don't know what's going to stop the numbers increasing. And so it's what are the things that we can do? We have no control over it. So there's a place about bringing myself back to the moment. What do I have control over right now? Mm -hmm. I don't have control over out here. I always thought I did. And I, I actually had a conversation with someone the other day and said, I've probably got more control now than I used to because I know that I'm going to wear a mask and I'm going to do this. And before I went out on the street, I didn't know what was going to happen to me, but I thought I had control. So it's this weird sense of I've, I've, I've got some control, but I've got a lot of stuff that's not. So can I stay in this moment? If something happens and I need to deal with, I coughed the wrong way and someone looked at me or I've got to get a COVID test, what are the supports that I have in place? And we are privileged, right? We're sitting on this call. We're in privilege. There's so many people that don't have any other support. Mm -hmm. So what, what do we as a community do to, to look at that? So they have... There's been some places where people are setting up um, like like a warm line where people can call and negotiate support from someone else to help them with some of that. And it's relatively new, but like, oh, I don't know what else to do, right? Because I think governments are doing whatever they can do in the moment. And it's like, do we need more testing sites? Yes, because our numbers are increasing. Do we have the staff to actually put in the testing sites? I don't know. I'm not sure we do. Um, so I, I think it's that for me, it's not okay to, it's, it's okay to not be okay at times. It's okay to have a meltdown, to mm -hmm. sit in my car and cry or sit at home and cry or call someone or have a rant on Twitter or what it, whatever gets us through that moment yeah i think that's the compassion and empathy piece for ourselves because mm -hmm. we just don't know 
So I want to ask all of you to, what if you came to a crisis situation, you know, like, you know, or maybe I put it to Charlotte and, and Kristen and, and Robin, you know, I, you know, I, Robin, you, you spoke so well. Yes, it's, it's, you know, do what you need to do in the moment. But what if you're just at wit's end and there is a crisis moment? What, what should you do or what is out there? They're not saying anything in case they're listening to the podcast. Let's turn. Oh, I thought it was going to rob it. Yeah. Oh, no, <laughs> no, it's, yeah. Charlotte's turn. You're putting me on the I'm spot on you this on one. <laughs> well, I guess it depends on what the crisis is. I mean, that's where my head went. Um, I mean, crisis, is it? Um, well, yeah. Well, I, I would say be careful where you let the crisis go. Yeah. Like sometimes as a parent, mm -hmm. um, you know, we have uh, battle fatigue, especially, you know, uh, emotional health, mental health battle fatigue when we're dealing with a lot of stress within the home, things are wearing us down. And I think it's about um, recognizing, so where are we at right now? And as Robin said, it's absolutely okay to not be okay. And we all have to, we actually have to embrace that a little bit as a parent because there are days where I can recall um, just having to sit in it a little bit and, and that was okay to not be okay. Just don't get stuck in it. Yeah. Um, and then what I think Charlotte was about to say, you know, is it, is it a crisis? Or yeah. What's, yeah. Well, I was just like for today, for instance, for my, for myself personally, I, Robin and I had a very busy week last week. Um, most of our meetings were not on Zoom. It was the first time we had been to meetings. So I have in my head, because my bubble has been very small. I mean, it's been Kirsten, Robin, my daughter, and my partner. And then all of a sudden, we were introduced to, you know, some boardrooms where we were so far away, whatever. Into my head, I was like, oh, my goodness, I for sure have COVID. And no matter what I could say to myself, I was building myself up to where it was that feeling of, I got to go get tested. I don't have any of the symptoms, but that's just where my head went. So sometimes in that battle fatigue, in that moment where, you know, so much is on our plate, um, mm -hmm. what may not be a crisis, it's escalated into a crisis. And we see that time and time again with families. But having said that, that a crisis is something completely different too. And that's where if you're the spidey sense as a mom, as a parent, um, when things are not feeling right, when you feel that it is at that point where um, you need to take it to another level, whether it's going to the emergency department um, for a physical mm -hmm. reason or the CRC, if it's an adult in a mental health crisis, um, that's the choice that you need to make at that time. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna add to that, Kristen. No, I think, um, I think Charlotte kind of um, spoke, spoke to it, just um, not dismissing a crisis, but also, um, you know, exploring what's happening in that moment and, mm -hmm. and what's happening for you physically, what's happening that's, that's brought you to a heightened state and, um, you know, doing whatever you need to do to ride through that to get to a place where you feel more comfortable. If it's yourself and that's not happening and you do feel like you're, you're going into a crisis, absolutely seek help. If you have a, a young adult um, in your home that you feel is 
uh, going into a crisis, absolutely seek help. But sometimes it's also about a check-in with yourself and, and seeing what's really going on and, and kind of breaking it down a little bit and getting through the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, so one the, yeah, I was going to say, one of the dialogues that plays in, you know, in a lot of people's heads is, um, I have elderly parents, I have, you know, family members mm-hmm. who have underlying conditions. So these are the dialogues that are personally playing in my head. Um, and, um, and, and you're wanting to keep yourself and your, your loved ones, your family members as safe as possible. And, uh, and sometimes that dialogue in your head can get the better of you. And, uh, and uh, like I said, it can escalate up to uh, into a really uh, highly stressful and comfortable place that you're at. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, and here we are coming up on Thanksgiving weekend, right? And giving thanks, <laughs> oh, you know, to, to spend time with family. Susie, I was going to ask, uh, like, are you seeing your parents and grandparents or? So, um chatted about it with my sister and um we are not going to be having thanksgiving dinner this year and um it's just not it's not safe right now so the kids are in school Mm -hmm. which makes them vectors which means that no matter how much we try to keep our bubble small they are in contact with hundreds of people every day and my parents just cannot be put at risk for that Mm -hmm. and the idea you know so of our kids who go to school together if we still got together, would that be fine? I don't know. Maybe. Um, we'd be at the limit, the household limit. Uh, and don't get me started on some of the, the <laughs> conservative math that I've seen out there about household numbers and all that stuff, because it's unbelievable to me how they can put that out there. And I keep asking if Dr. Rusin has been asked about these numbers, but we'll get to that another time. Um, <laughs> the thought of us sitting there without my parents is just heartbreaking. So we're just going to keep to our own houses this weekend. And um, I fully expect the numbers to spike two weeks after Thanksgiving, because there's going to be a lot of people who ignore that advice and do whatever they want anyway. And we're all going to pay for it. So I'm very, very nervous about the end of the month. And Halloween's going to be the Halloween. least of our worries because Thanksgiving is going to be the biggest scary thing that happens this month. So yeah, so let's get back onto this. How do they make 10 the magic number? And like, it's not 10, that's the problem. Like, so 10, the, the math that I was tweeting about on Twitter was talking about um, how if you have a household of six, you can add another household to that to get to 10. Your household counts as one. Well, if your household has six people in it, those six people come into contact with vectors every single day, whether they're at work, at school, whatever. And depending on your work, you may be in a higher risk category than other people. So I don't understand why this number is not being driven home, why we're not advising people to be smarter about if we want to get to Christmas, we're going to have to ignore Thanksgiving this year. So pick and choose which holiday you'd like to live through. And um, yeah, so you can tell I'm a bit frustrated and I'm very, I don't understand why people are just not heeding the advice of the people in charge who know how this pandemic's going to play. I shouldn't say know how it's going to play out, but they have, models they have stats they understand how this can spread faster than we than we want it to and in ontario they were given the directive do not have thanksgiving dinner with people outside your house we have been given no such directive here in manitoba and i keep asking on twitter why why has that directive not been given yeah it's so true but then again um there's some people that miraculously 
get cured from COVID. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know, I don't care. We let let's do it. Um, really, to go and say in public, don't be afraid of COVID. Uh, don't let it consume your life. Like, how can I don't know how? Well, it 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 was said. It is said. Um, you know, hopefully, I think you know people are only taking it with I don't know. But that that was totally shocking, you know, for for me. Like, here you are, a world leader, and you say something like that. When not not that we shouldn't, you know, pay attention to that, but we we our our government should be mitigating those messages with their own messages of how to stay extra safe in the face of the ignorance that's going to come up against that type of thinking. Okay, because. Our kids are back in school. And, you know, my heart breaks and sings for teachers. It was World Teacher Day this week as well. Every teacher who has a family of her own or his own and is out there on the front lines trying to not only manage their household, but their classrooms. Oh, my gosh. I can't imagine how stressful this has been for our teachers. And everything that we do right now not only helps us, but helps our teachers. Mm -hmm helps healthcare. Like these are all the things that we need to be doing to keep these people safe and to keep ourselves safe. So Robin, in all of this turmoil, here you have on one hand, let's, you know, show empathy and, and care for each other and blah, blah, blah. And then on the other hand, is it's clear like, nothing's wrong. Hey, go out and celebrate. <laughs> We're invincible. <laughs> it's such a toughie right it's um like you know if i take off my peer support hat do i want to bang some people's heads together and go what the um yes uh and then like i try and find out where their head's coming from like i've had some conversations with people about why is it that you think this is a conspiracy and it's not real and so like I try and sit in that conversation to like explore that and I mean truth be told I had this you know I just said like it's COVID right I just started dating and people like are you an idiot and I had this conversation with my mother about it right I was like because my mum's she lives in another country but she's 84 and that she's dealing with it too. And, and I said to her, look, here's my dilemma, mum. Like COVID's around. I don't know how long it's going to be around for. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm a high risk if I get it because my heart condition's not so great. I'm one of those ones and probably... And I said, but I'm in this thing. If I do everything that I can, social distance, mask, do this, do I also stop living a life like by not dating because I'm scared that I'm going to get it? And so I had this whole conversation with her about like how much do I be cautious and how much do I still live and be cautious? And so we had this conversation and she went like I've got to give her some respect. She said, Rob, we don't know how long this is going to come on for. And like, 
do everything that public health talks about and be super safe and check it out with that per- I'm not dating a million people I'm dating one and I'm very, I had the big conversations about what are they doing for their like what's their bubble look like how's this look you know how do we manage this because there is that tension about do we stop entirely doing everything until this is over? And I might get it anyway. And then I'd be pissed off because I'd be dead and I wouldn't have had sex again. Like that would piss me off. Now I can at least go, I'm okay if I die. It's all right. But, but, but it is that conversation. So for me, there's a place about I'm going to do everything that I can do to be safe in every environment and I'm going to have those conversations and with those people who are running around doing like things that I think are a little on the edge, I'm going to try and find out what is this and why because sometimes we're just making judgment like, oh, you're a dumbass, you've done this, but we haven't tried to find out what it is that's motivating them to do it and I think that's my piece about how do I find out and be able to have a different conversation with people? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just rambled then. You know what I'm like, Tracy. I, yeah, I know. I know. And it's great. It's great. And you still have me. It's good, eh? Oh, you know what? No. It, it, in, in your roundabout way, Robin, you always make clear sense. You know? You, yeah. And you know what? You're honest. You're truthful. Uh, I'm going to ask Amy, too. Uh, yeah. I mean, life i mean you've got you've got your whole life you're young you know and and everything to to work for and to dream about and um and talking about relationships too uh it's changed has it not for you or um yeah i think so it it, it's definitely has changed i think it's just like the safety the safety aspect has changed. And I think I agree with Robin. Um, like I have that constant battle in my mind, like, Oh, COVID's happening. Like I can't do this. And same with like planning for Alyssa. Do we do gymnastics? Do we not do gymnastics? And then sometimes at the end of the day, it's like, well, if today was your last day, how do you want to spend it? Right. Are you going to allow these like constraints and to hinder you from dating? And you're supposed to be dating a million people. There's this thing as like quantum dating now. That's like a hit, Robin. (laughs) Anyways. um, No, um, no. One's enough. Uh, um, so yeah, it's, um, it, it's kind of loosening the reins a little bit something and have a little bit more grace for yourself and still allow to, um, do, do, do the fun things, even in terms of like business with like, we're all pivoting, um, into an online space or just even being more creative. And it's kind of like things that we never really thought of. And I think even, um, there was, um, beauty that comes from like working from home. Like I've talked to a lot of people who um, are in like firms, organizations that used to work in the office and now they don't have to go back until um, next year. And they, they, they see benefit in that. It's like, Oh, why am I paying 30, 40, $50,000 every month for rent? Right. This working mobile um, 
can be a thing in the future, right? They're still just as productive. And now there's more of a work-life balance. You get to spend time with the kids and be more around with like family. So um, sometimes, yeah, I, we need to see like the positive, I guess sometimes that's how my thinking is when I'm kind of like juggling between the two, but there is beauty and just, again, be, give yourself some space and grace with everything that's going on. Yeah. Amy, I wanted to ask too, do you, um, I mean, your daughter is young still and you know, Susie, this question could be for you too. Um, Do you have like, I mean, how did you explain COVID to your daughter? Alyssa and like and even how things are now kind of you know how the snowball okay now you have to wear masks and the whole protocol of going back to school and not being able to hug your friends anymore um and all those things and and where does that go in the future like as she becomes a young woman like I'm curious as to how our our young people now are going to go embracing like their adolescent years and whatever and we all know that but I think it could be a different world for them yeah, I kind of told Alyssa how, how it is, and she, her, she's in a split class, too, and they get a lot of information through, I don't know, TikTok, and they're YouTubers and influencers, so she has a pretty good idea of, like, what's going on um, with, like, COVID and Trump and everything. It's actually quite fast. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's quite funny, but she'll tell me stuff. And then the school's actually doing a really, really good job in terms of the staggered starts and getting them to know, okay, if you're like this far apart without a mask and you have to do X, Y, and Z. So she comes home and she understands that. And she um, knows that if she's going out, we need to be together. We have to wear a mask. We need to sanitize. And she completely respects that. And something new that we've been doing in the last couple of months is keeping like um, a weekly journal entry of what this is looking like right a grateful journal and just sharing her experience and like what does school like and what does home like now and then maybe in a year later we can compare to, uh, compare back like this is kind of what came through um after covid and just something to look forward to well that's yeah. a great book Susie. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's funny because I posted to my Instagram story the other day how um, we used to live in a time where we used to let people just breed all over us. And I can't believe that. It's so gross. And it's just like, I hope we never go back to that. <laughs> and, um, and we used to live in a world that normalized going to work and outings if you were sick. Like, how gross is that? Like, I hope that those things never come back. So I hope that, you know, we can take away some good things from what we've learned here as well, is that don't go in air with your sick, please don't breathe over people, and wash your hands and sanitize your hands often. That would cut back on a lot of, you know, other issues and health things that happen out there. Um, the kids, you know, they were in school when this all started and when it all kind of shut down, so they, they get it, and um, they do miss definitely, you know, uh, hugging and, um, you know, even just, you know, simple, you know, hand games, like we used to play when we were kids, like they can't, you know, do that. But at the same time, kids are so smart and so resilient. They have come up with different games, like one of the uh, teachers at the school, so they've, they've created like look tag or something like that. I have no idea how these brilliant little minds did it, but they did. And that's what I think is so great about having, you know, young people or kids in your life is that they are able to look at any situation and find the good in something and to find a different way to do something. That's what I love about, um, 
you know, young people and kids in general, that we don't give them enough credit for their ingenuity and, um, and their positivity, you know, and it's not to say that, you know, everything is roses and everything is great all the time. Uh, are there going to be some tears because we're not seeing my parents this weekend? Yeah, there probably are, you know, and, um, but at the same time, it's about keeping them safe. And like Robin was saying, weighing your options, you know, like what, what is the, what is the most dangerous scenario? What's the middle ground and what's the doing nothing, right? So in our case, because my mom isn't, is immunocompromised, because my husband is immunocompromised and he's already in contact with these tiny little germ, you know, carriers every day, we are trying to minimize other contact, right? Other families might not have that issue, but for us, it's an issue. So it's about weighing your options and really what's doing not just best for your family, but best for everybody, you know, that we can take into consideration, right? Um, and I think that's a really interesting thing, too, is that we're teaching kids to think more broadly in terms of what effect their individual actions have on other people and society as a whole. Like what it means now when you think about what contact tracing means, if one person tests positive, they have to tell, you know, the contact tracing nurse, everybody they were in contact with for the last you know 48 to 72 hours well what does that look like and what did that mean in terms of how you conducted yourself out there in the world and what you were doing were you wearing a mask were you not you know were you symptomatic and you went out anyway like all these things matter and so we're teaching our kids that their actions have consequences and if they're looking and learning at what's happening out there in the in the world during covid they're learning that some people don't care about those consequences right so that's another talking point and teachable moment as well. Wow. So that brings me to Charlotte then, because Charlotte, because you and I and, and Kirsten have like older kids that, um, you know, and I have to do say we had some good conversations at home and, uh, you know, our, our boys like really realized, you know, that they got to just keep that bubble small and, and they have no problem with doing that. But, Hey, their age group is like party on. <laughs> yeah, I was, um, I, I was able to say up till a few days ago that I didn't know anybody in Canada who had COVID. And then I was told, no, actually you do. And it was uh, several of my younger daughter, Shelby's friends, um, have it. And there were her high school friends, not the ones that she hangs out with now. And they all seem to be at that, that one bar downtown that seemed to give it to everybody. <laughs> Um, interesting though, in, in one case, um, the one girl, she got it, but her boyfriend didn't get it and they were at the same place and then she didn't give it to her parents, which I, I found interesting. Um, but one of the things I was going to say, the conversation that's going on in, in my house and also in other houses, um, is with university students is that, um, story about I'm not enjoying online. Um, I don't think I want to continue this. Um, and I may take a break from university and parents are having to be um, open to that conversation because this is not the way university looked like, you know, to our adult children. Um, in, in my house, uh, my youngest is finishing her degree in April. So she's graduating from university online. And um, her dream was, you know, and then I'm starting on to, to my second degree. And, uh, and last night, in fact, she said, you know what, mom, I don't think I'm gonna do that because um, I just don't wanna do this next degree online. And, you know, and, and I might do, you know, this or I might do this instead and, uh, and me going, you know, ha having to sit with it because that was not her dream. That was not what we had talked about. And, and it's not my dream. It's her dream. But, you know, I had encouraged it and supported her on that. 
um, and looking very different. And, um, and she's saying that a lot of her friends are saying that too. Like they're either going to take a pause um, and then go back to the university or, or, you know, mm-hmm. or if they're graduating, stop and, and wait till uh, the world returns to something a little bit normal. So it's those kind of conversations that are going on in, in those 20 uh, something houses um, that I'm hoping parents are saying, okay, um, I, I'm hearing you as opposed to, no, you need to finish that second degree and be a doctor and blah, 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 and start your life. Um, but that flexibility part and, uh, and, and listening and, uh, and to their concerns. Do you want to add to that, Kristen? Well, one of the things that I was thrilled about in my house is that my 20-year-old is working in a, a lounge. And as of tomorrow, lounges can't serve alcohol after 10, and everybody has to be out by 11. So I was kind of, as a parent, stuck in this place where she would have her mask, and she even wore um, Blu-ray glasses, so just clear glasses. But, um, you know, that was a, a concern for us. And how far do you push that? Do you ask them to quit their job? Do you, you know, it's, it's not easy times. So um, it just kind of took care of itself. I hate to say that. I'm, I'm not sad about it. I, I, um, it's, it's what needed to happen because that age group is not um, behaving how they should once they have a few drinks and the evening goes on. I think it's a great idea, but um, yeah, just, you know, for, for kids who are in their twenties, I only have one left at home. Um, The one who's left at home is 20 years old and um, you know, she's um, wanting to to live life uh, and, and be safe. And I'm not sure if you can live life and be safe. Um, I have a 22 year old who takes it so seriously and, and, uh, uh, does hair for a profession and um you know she won't even walk into my house and say hello without a mask and she takes it so seriously so just lots of different challenges parents are have are having whether they're elementary middle school 20 something and uh just all new waters that we have to navigate and you know i think the point even with today's discussion is that as parents we have to keep our own anxieties in check and kind of have really um uh, open-ended curious questions to figure out what's really going on with some of uh, our young people and what's driving them as Robin said to behave in such a manner and just it's all new Tracy it's all new <laughs> I know I know I think Susie though you should write a like a like a checklist for for us next time that if we have to go get uh, tested mm-hmm. you know you could have your uh, <laughs> Susie's cold notes of, of what to do Honestly, just check out my Twitter thread. It was very (laughs) in-depth. Well, and that's where that that privilege piece comes into play, too. Um, I ended up uh, having some at-home COVID tests. They're they're $50 to buy. And uh, the discussion in my house was, um, how much is is my anxiety or my peace of mind worth? And, you know, is it worth $50 a week just to check yourself? I mean, there's going to be families who are are buying these. And... uh, and getting them as, you know, as opposed to what Susie said, like not staying in line for six hours or not. Um, and, you know, and that's not right either. So I don't know. No, no. That just buys into, I think, Robin, the whole paranoia, right? And letting, letting it all get to us too much. Um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Like we want to be able to support people through it. And so it's in that conversation. 
Um, I'm renowned for what are called respectful challenges where I'll just poke and prod people a little to go, why is it that you're doing that? Like, what is that serving to, to do that? So, and I do want to say I was a bit distracted then, uh, Tracy, because I was sending a text to actually your son, who's um, on Saturday, it's Mental Health Awareness Day. Mm-hmm. And I've actually asked a few people if they would do a little live uh, feed with me, like musically or comedically, and uh, like he's offered to to do one for me. So I'm very grateful. Yeah. But I was texting him about the time, and you asked me something. I was like, "Well, <laughs> but um, yeah." So I want to put a plug in uh, because Saturday is Mental Health Awareness Day around the world. And I want us to remember that as we're going through COVID and thinking about the impact on our mental health, that it, it is about being gentle on ourselves, allowing ourselves to know that it's okay to not be okay. And there's times that like our senses will be heightened and how do we get through that and where can we get support, whether it's family, friends, whether it's some of the like crisis lines to be able to call just really starting to think about that. So a plug for us, Robin Priest Live Your Truth is going to do like some little snippets of live entertainment uh, kind of, you know, from people who have an awareness of, of mental health and just celebrating that day and talking about it more. So um, we'll be putting something out about that probably tomorrow for Charlotte. But it sounds wonderful. And you know what? Just having conversations like this is, is so wonderful and to check in. And, you know, it's so great to see you back again, Susie. I know the last couple of weeks have been, uh, and then how is the one that broke his ankle or, or skateboarder? Oh, yeah, we had good times in the hospital system the last few weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's okay. It was just oh. a bad sprain and he was oh, on for a couple of days, but such is life with a skateboarder. So, yeah. <laughs> it's a day in the life of Susie's household (laughs) okay well and next week uh I know that's it's well a couple weeks away but uh um I want to broach the subject of Halloween and Christmas and all of that stuff you know it's you know all about mental health and wellness right (laughs) as we all get stressed out but uh and then yeah we'll have uh our musical guest Rami Mays on she was supposed to be on today but she had an emergency with her daughter and her granddaughter, so she had to fill in. So she will be back next week to talk about curbside concerts. So there will Fun. be music in our lives. All right. That's great. Okay. So Thanks, take everyone. care. Have a safe week. Okay. No more hospitals, Susie. And yeah, you're done. You're yeah. done. Okay. Love you guys. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Okay. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Be safe. Bye-bye. You too. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of ilikeyou.com. Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada women who are changing the narrative and driving change. 
Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to WhatSheSaidTalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on BlastTheRadio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's BlastTheRadio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.